Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Coming up, pain, pain and despair. I will look ahead from behind the sofa to Villa. There's better news from the women's team who won the league this weekend, in a way. And we'll round up the rest of the Chelsea news. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is straight out of Cobham. Oh dear, not a good weekend, was it, listener, for the men's team, at least. Don't worry, we are here to hold your hand metaphorically and help you through it. We're still reeling from the news that producer Lucy is going to see Taylor Swift in three different countries. It's been quite the morning for the Straight Outta Cobham crew. Simon Johnson's here and in good spirits? There's no bad blood uh, between us. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Luke Bosch is also with us, albeit... Having had a bit of a melon-related incident this morning, um, Luke, who had a, a worse Sunday-Monday combo, you or Moises Caicedo? Well, I mean, Moises Caicedo got a pretty good assist, so I'll have to say me. Okay, all right. Uh, just in case you were wondering, if you drop some Beats headphones into a packet of supermarket-bought melon, they will survive as long as you put them under a hand dryer. So, big questions. Isn't that in the, um, you know, the little bits of info you get in with your a purchase? Isn't that there? It sort of says... Melon-proof. Yeah. I might have to invest because, you know, it could happen to me. Yeah. There but for the grace of God. <laughs> go us all. Um, maybe that's a plot line for Argyle too. Who knows? Uh, before we get into the game, let's get some premature adjudications. Uh, Luke, what's your hot take from the weekend in the world of Chelsea? Uh, my hot take is that Poch is going to play uh, a three at the back against Villa. A proper three at the back. Not this like nonsense from earlier in the season where Chilwell's essentially playing a, like a proper left winger. It's going to be a, an honest-to-God Antonio Conte three at the back. Okay, all right. Well, that sort of chimes with mine a little bit in that mine was that three-man midfield has got to go. How about you, Simon? Uh, my hot take is Roman Abramovich is not coming back and it doesn't <laughs> matter how many times you sing his name, it's not going to happen. So, get over it. <laughs> there you go. You've been told, listener. All right, I'm afraid we've got to talk about another paddling. Cunha against Petrovic. Makes no mistake, it is his first hat-trick for Wolves. And he inflicts more misery at Stamford Bridge for Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea 2, Wolves 4 then. The Wanderers winning at the bridge for the first time since the 70s and earning three successive victories against Chelsea for the first time in ever. Abject in every way from Potter's peeps this one. Let's get the Toomey take. It's time to change. If you wait any longer, it will be too late. Not my words, of course. The words of Bell Silver on X, formerly known as Twitter. Hey, Luke. Uh, during the second half of this absolutely miserable home game. 
What needs to change? I think you'd get different answers from the people who are at Stamford Bridge today. There's certainly no love from Riccio Pochettino. I think this is the most direct that I've heard the abuse for him be. Uh, there, was, there was one fan around the press box angrily telling him to stand up and face the music in the second half while he was seated with his, with his backroom team. And that gives an insight into just how toxic it was in this second half. Once, once the Chelsea fans realised that the boos that greeted the half-time whistle hadn't prompted a real response from this young team, I know we keep calling them a young team and that probably frustrates a lot of fans. They played like a young team today, very naive against Wolves, who knew exactly how to press them and ran away with the game in the second half. And as they ran away with it, uh, the atmosphere here really deteriorated. You had Raheem Sterling leaving the pitch to a loud chorus of boos. He always seems to get it worse among players here. He'd missed a big chance shortly before that after one of Chelsea's few good attacking passages of football, actually. The goal they scored was great. Brilliant pass from Caicedo. Maybe the only good thing he did, though, unfortunately. And a clinical finish from Cole Palmer, who otherwise was sort of in and out of the game. The big negative for Chelsea, I think, in the first half in attack was Christopher Nkunku was barely involved. 12 touches. Putting him as a number, number nine really didn't work. He's a connector. He works best initiating those combinations. Wolves were able to snuff him out. But the biggest problem for Chelsea was that they just couldn't figure out a way to get through Wolves' press. Pedro Neto absolutely terrorised them with and without the ball. They kept winning the ball in the Chelsea half, breaking forward in numbers. Thiago Silva was completely isolated. Maybe that was what resonated with Bell as she was watching. I don't know. The Wolves players are going over to their fans in front of me. There are a handful of Chelsea players going over to applaud the, the fans in the Matthew Harding stand. I mean, not many of them have stayed. About half of them have stayed. The rest, I think, took the the fourth goal and Mateus Cunha penalty as their cue to leave. I can't think of many more miserable games. Yes, there were there were some sort of limp defeats in the first half of the season in this stadium. Uh, but I, I think these last two matches against Liverpool and against Wolves, eight goals conceded, the manner of the performances, just how open Chelsea have been, has really eroded any sense of progress that this team is making and it might have eroded the last of the credibility that Mauricio Pochettino has with any of these match going supporters we'll have to see what happens from here but a really bleak day for Chelsea at Stamford Bridge an absolutely miserable home game uh, was the pertinent line I thought there Simon let's get your overall thoughts on what was an incredibly dire day. It really was, and it's been an incredibly bad week. Um, it's extraordinary. You, you sort of rewind the clock back to this time last week. I don't think any anyone of us had confidence going to Anfield, but losing in the manner in which Chelsea have done twice, it really feels like a bit of a breaking point as far as the fan base are concerned. It was a throwback to last season when things were going uh, wrong underground Potter, the kind of chanting that was going on, bit of gallows humour mixed in, but generally it was actually quite 
nasty, you know, the booing of Sterling, lots of sarcastic applauding of players when they did something wrong. It was bad. But you look at the body language, the moment that Chelsea conceded the equaliser soon after going ahead, heads were down and they effectively were just rolled over with ease. Very little fight, very little resistance. And the unbeaten home records that had been stretched back to October and had been the sort of thing that I think everyone connected to Chelsea could sort of cling on to as a as a signs of perhaps some progress, that's gone. And you do have to worry about what the rest of the season offers because can, forget Pochettino for a minute, can this group of players, has, have they got it within them to rally against adversity? They've not shown it in matches. Can they bounce back in time for Aston Villa? I can't say I'm that confident they will. Yeah, we put a lot of stock in that unbeaten home record, but if you scrutinise it, the teams that Chelsea beat then were Blackburn, Brighton, Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, Preston, Fulham and Middlesbrough. So it's not exactly stellar opponents who are being batted away. Um, Luke, this felt like the day the music died in a lot of ways because we've spoken, haven't we, about Chelsea supporters being incredibly patient at Stamford Bridge, but that was always going to be finite and, and it felt like, yeah, this this was the time when that patience really ran out. Yeah, I think it was it was a lot to do with the manner of the defeat in that, you know, as Simon kind of alluded to, it, it's one thing losing to Wolves at home, but it's another kind of almost rolling over without putting up much of a fight. And, you know, the ease with which Wolves were creating chances. And, you know, the other side to that is it's the ease at which Chelsea allowed Wolves to create chances. You know, the the number, particularly in the first half and also the start of the second half, I guess, is, you know, the number of you know, Wolves' chances were almost entirely created from Chelsea giving the ball away. You know, that's how they scored a couple of times. And, you know, it wasn't just, one player doing it a lot. It was three or four players doing it multiple times. And I think that it just it's incredibly frustrating to watch from a fan point of view because you just think it's too easy. You know, it, it's one thing to get outplayed. And I think Chelsea were outplayed against Liverpool and that's okay because they're one of the three best teams in the league. But, you know, when it's Wolves, it's a very different matter. And I think that there was, a, as Simon said, you know, heads going down it didn't seem like there was a, a huge collective response from the squad when they did go down. And, and that is, it's a real red flag. Simon, I was quite optimistic when I saw the team sheet for this game. We had maybe for the first time this season, two actual fullbacks playing fullback, which is obviously important to the way Chelsea play. Christopher and Kunku starting, but as Liam mentioned, and Kunku barely touched the ball. I think we saw that he's better not playing as an out and out striker and, and, Gusto and Chilwell as culpable as anybody for for what happened. Yeah, I, I think lack of match fitness played a part in in perhaps all three. We all got a bit excited. Not going to lie, I was one of them. You know, these performance against Middlesbrough, but the caveat was that it was Middlesbrough. It was very easy to look good against them in a in a way Championship side. Um, but there's been a reality check of where Ben Chilwell's fitness is over the last two games. He looks well, well short of what it what it takes to be a Premier League left back at the moment. And he was targeted. It was noticeable how much success Wolves had down his flank and he just didn't have the speed to get back. Gusto, of course, has just had a bit of a minor injury himself. He didn't have his best game, certainly. He, he was guilty of giving the ball away, but 
you know, the manner in which he, he gave the penalty away wasn't good. And then Kunku, yeah, I, I think we saw a player there that, you know, starting only second game for the club this season. And since he joined, he got off to a promising start. I thought his movement was good, but but sort of faded almost coincided with Wolves' equaliser. Um, but I don't think he was sharp. So that can be expected. So in a way, Chelsea are, are suffering still from the injuries, even though they're actually back now. But how many times can we use that as an excuse? It doesn't sit right with me. It, it feels it feels more deeper than that. Like I said, there just feels like a real lack of team spirit, lack of confidence, lack of a f- fight, lack of character in this squad. And I don't know what Pochettino can do to change it. And perhaps that's part of the problem. I don't think he knows either. Yeah, certainly look that way. Um, in midfield, Moises Caicedo and Enzo Fernandez both deactivated their Twitter accounts in the week, whether that was because they were worried about getting tagged in by Bell Silver or because they were made promises about local singles in their area, which were not kept, we're not sure. But that's got to change, hasn't it, Luke? That midfield three of, of Enzo Caicedo and Gallagher just uh, absolutely overran in this game. Yeah, it's interesting because... Earlier in the season, that looked like a real strength of Chelsea when they, you know, they were struggling offensively to kind of get a front three that that seemed cohesive and struggling to get a back line together at all amid, you know, injuries to James Chilwell and and Gusto and and whoever. But it's now kind of the other way where that midfield three looks to be a problem. You know, you have this every, almost every time Chelsea attack and get counted on it seems like Caicedo is left to cover huge swathes of the pitch by himself and then equally on the ball. Caicedo is almost always kind of left to be the one that's supposed to build up play from the back. And, and you know, he, I don't necessarily think that's that's a, you know, a strong part of his game. So something needs to change. I think for me, I'd, I'd like to see Enzo Fernandez picking the ball up a lot deeper than he has been uh, and, and maybe being, you know, often the deepest midfielder in possession. Conor Gallagher's place in the team, I think, is under threat, despite the fact that he has played quite well, you know, in the first kind of 23 or 25 games of the season, if you think about all competitions. But yeah, it's kind of why I said at at the top of the show, Matt, about the three at the back system. I think it's not just a case of like trying something new, but I think, you know, that gets players in different positions and that I think will get Enzo Fernandez on the ball a little bit more, which I think is crucial for Chelsea going forward. It's hard to single out one of those three for concern um, because they're all they're all cause for concern at the moment. But I think Conor Gallagher was particularly disappointing. And the problem is Conor is picked in the team primarily for his hard graft, the way he harries opponents, wins back possession, etc., we well, didn't really do that yesterday. And if he doesn't do that, then what does he bring? He doesn't bring goals. He doesn't bring assists. And I was I was looking out on the pitch and I was going, how many actual players are in this team that can get a goal? There, there aren't many. You, you're looking at, I think I calculated at one point, it was Sterling and Kunku and Cole Palmer. And that's basically it. And that's a problem, and it and it feels like that's been a problem for for a while at Chelsea that there's there's only a few been only a few players that can get a goal. 
because there's nothing for midfield. I mean, Casado's not scored yet, I don't think. Fernandez just chipped in, um, I think, with about five, and Gallagher has not scored yet. But Fernandez is not going to score from 25 yards. I've lost count of the amount of times he shoots over the bar. <laughs> seems seems like one a game. He, he he takes he takes the unconvincing curler, and it always just sails comfortably over the woodwork. But um, but Gallagher Gallagher's gone off the ball for me. Maybe he's feeling fatigue from sort of the first half of the season being flogged. Maybe he's not feeling great because he's been put publicly up for sale for what feels like a year. That as well, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And he's not the only one. I mean, I don't, don't think anyone can be surprised that Amanda Broyer didn't exactly look sort of happy with life before his loan to Fulham. You know, when you know that, you know, there's an asking price on your shoulders whilst you're still not being picked on a regular basis. It must be a really sort of not nicest position to be in. But you are at Chelsea Football Club as well. And I think this is one point I do agree with Pochettino and, and what he said recently. It's like you're at Chelsea Football Club. You know this comes with the territory. You've got to, if if you can't handle it, then then you got to go. But with Chip Wemeka sort of coming back to fitness, not that he had the best impact off the bench. I, th- I think Gallagher's place is very much under threat. Yeah, so Gallagher hasn't scored. Caicedo had that one ruled out at Spurs, didn't he? And just looking at Enzo's goals, he scored against Wimbledon, two against Brighton, one of which was a pen. Preston. And Middlesbrough, so we're going to need some more contributions than that from you, please, young man. Uh, last week, Luke, you were still very much pro Poch. Poch in has your opinion changed over the course of these last two games because it feels like uh, that's the way the tide is turning, certainly from the match going supporters. Yeah, it's it's really tricky because I think, as I kind of said earlier on a week ago i think chelsea spirits were were quite high i think you know it was you know it was looking up the table rather than rather than down and seeing who who chelsea could catch um rather than be caught by but the game against liverpool was you can almost you can kind of write it off because it's liverpool and they're very good but the other side to that is chelsea hadn't really been dominated by a bigger team or a big team like that before this season. Most of the games, you know, Tottenham, Arsenal, Man City had been fairly even, you know, incredible draws a lot of the time. But Liverpool just took Chelsea to the cleaners and, okay, fine, there are reasons for that. And then Wolves as well, conceding another four goals, some really cheap goals as well. I think all four you'd you'd cast as fairly cheap goals. And it's the, the kind of regression, I think, is the most alarming thing for over the last week. And, you know whether the defeat at Liverpool impacted the performance um, against Wolves. You know, it's it's hard to say, but it kind of looks like it did. But I think I think for me, it's really bad. I think the regression, particularly against Wolves, is is really bad. But it's only two games. I think the next kind of three or four for Chelsea. I think in all competitions are, are absolutely crucial for the entire season. And you know Pochettino's time at the club because you know you've got Villa on Wednesday I think Palace then the Monday I think the next I can't remember when what day of the weekend it is but I think the next league game is against Man City it's Palace on the Monday and then Man City on Saturday the 17th so three away games coming up and then obviously it's the the final the the Sunday after that so those yeah three crucial away games plus the cup final I think that that decides the season I think that decides Pochettino's fate do you think, Simon, that, that Pochettino 
he's going to stay till the end of the season regardless, you know, because of the difficulty of getting somebody in at this stage and, and what happened last se- season. And and do you think, like I do, that, that managers can lose form in the same way that, that players can and, and that maybe that, that's something that's afflicting him at the moment? Well, I, I think in Pochettino's defence, I, I, I'm sort of, at the moment, I'm in, I'm sort of arguing amongst myself, <laughs> you know, because on one hand I go, right, he's inherited this bunch and this bunch got other managers sacked. So is it the managers now or do we just have to actually look at the recruitment and the people that are responsible for the recruitment and go, well, the problem lies there. Unfortunately, when you've spent the money Chelsea have had, have, there's very little direction you can go now unless you have a massive, massive sale but you're going to lose a lot of money, like we saw with Koulibaly. But then I then I sort of flip round and go, look at the impact Gary O'Neill's had at Wolves. Look at the impact Junai Emery's had at Aston Villa. Look at what Postacoglu's done at Spurs, and so on. That comes down to the coach transforming a team's fortunes. I think Chelsea fans are right to be looking at Pochettino going, what are you doing to improve things. How have you improved things? Have Chelsea got better? The points, the fact that Chelsea have got as many points now as they did at the same stage last season suggests there's been no improvement. I think getting to a cup final uh, shows there's been, it's it's better uh, slightly, but I think we have to bear in mind that Chelsea only played one away game in that draw and that was... A, in a two-leg semi-final, which they lost. So that he had the luck of the draw a little bit too. In terms of, is he going to see the season out? I, I think there was definitely a plan to assess things at the end of the season. They can't make a change now, I would have thought, as in before Aston Villa. So I think the next few weeks may, as as Luke suggests, not just determine the season, but, but determine Pochettino's future. But, those conversations. I think when the, when the atmosphere starts to turn at the bridge, as we saw with Potter last season, that's when people get a little bit twitchy because perhaps they're then concerned that that tension will be aimed towards them and not the head coach. How much stock, Luke, do you put in touchline aesthetics? Because it was quite striking yesterday. You had Gary O'Neill bouncing around like a monkey trapped in a suitcase and Maurizio Pochettino sort of being passive and, you know, occasionally coming out and pointing his fingers, but largely sat in his seat. Does that matter particularly? Would you rather he was up cajoling and trying to get people motivated or should they be able to take care of that themselves once the game's going on? I'm not sure I I put too much stock into, you know, managers' behaviour and body language on the touchline because I think, you know, there, there are lots of managers within football and all of them have slightly different styles. And I think, you know, players need different things. And I think... I don't think that Pochettino shouting and screaming and being irate at the players during the game, while that's probably how a lot of Chelsea fans felt, you know, watching on illegal streams <laughs> at home or in Stamford Bridge, I, I think, you know, potentially some of the younger players needed a bit of a softer touch and they, they did need a bit more of an arm around the shoulder. And, you know, it's kind of, it's difficult because because they are young players, it, it feels wrong to continually bash them week in, week out for, you know, not being good enough when it's hard to kind of assess 
how good they actually are. But so it's it's trying to find a balance, I think. And, and Pochettino, I guess, is is struggling with that as as much as we are, potentially. All right, well, he'll be up against another demonstrative manager on Wednesday night when Chelsea go to Villa Park. We'll have a look ahead to that next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So it's Wednesday then. Chelsea at Aston Villa for the FA Cup fourth round replay. Villa smash Sheffield United on Saturday. So hopefully they've used up all their goals there. In terms of alterations to the team, Simon, uh, you can keep Georgia Petrovic and Cole Palmer. And then I guess you're making nine changes, are you? Yeah. Um, yeah. Bring the uh, youth team in. <laughs> Sorry, Rickard. No, I mean, there's only so much you can do, isn't there? We've still got this sort of list of, uh, I think the injury list, people continuing their rehabilitation. Don't the fans need to sort of continue their rehabilitation from the last two games? I feel sorry for those that are going to make this trip. I think they sold out all the away tickets. There's about 6,500 upbeat Chelsea fans ready to sing Roman Bramwich's name throughout the 90 minutes. Upbeat fans or gluttons? One of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the gallows humour is um, certainly back when uh, when they start joining in chants about how good or may not so good Chelsea are. But um, I'm waffling. Yeah, there's only there's only so many changes he can make. Put Jackson up front, would that be an obvious one to do? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see Jackson and Nkunku. If Nkunku's sort of fine in terms of how he's recovered from only his second start, um, Pochettino did say something which concerned me a little bit in his pre-match press conference where he said, so this was on the Friday, and he said, we'd have liked to have worked with Nkunku post-Liverpool, but we couldn't because he couldn't. So that makes you wonder that he's still feeling some kind of niggle and he's still some some soreness with that that hit. But uh, I'd like to see Nkunku and Jackson if he's okay. Uh, I think we, we saw a flash of it in pre-season, what it could do. And yeah, may, maybe that will give Villa something to worry about. So, so that's, a, that's a three. I was actually chatting about this with someone on Sunday, that those three, Palmer, Jackson and Kunku with Chekwameka, may be a way of freshening up Chelsea's attack. I think Sterling is is going through a rough patch and perhaps needs to be taken out the firing line or the, the booing line. Mudrick was, was Mudrick, although he did come up with an assist from a corner, you know. But he, he yeah, he looks like he's gone back into 
Mudrick mode. Like, I, I, you're struggling to see where he's... And Medwecki didn't have a good game at Liverpool. So, yeah, there you go. I, I sort of talked my way into sort of picking those four for you, Matt. I, I hope that, that suffices. As for the defence... I can't work miracles for you, Matt. I'm sorry. Well, Luke can because he's got a plan for a back three. So who's who's your back three then, Luke? Well, my back three was going to be... I don't necessarily... Well, yeah. I, tricky, isn't it? I mean, there's kind of only three centre-backs that it can be. I think Dizassi, Silva uh, and Baddy Ashiel. It's, it's more about just getting the bodies there, getting the numbers there and kind of maybe freeing Chilwell and, and Gusto further up the pitch to contribute. That's it, yeah. I don't think Alfie Gilchrist is going to get a start as much as many Chelsea fans probably would want him to. I think there's probably a few Chelsea fans who are watching Match of the Day on Saturday and seeing Tarek Lamptey and Tino Liveramento and Lewis Hall on the bench for Newcastle and thinking mm, we could do with one, two or all three of those, maybe. Uh, I'm trying to find some positives here, Simon, in terms of how Chelsea are going to win this game. And I'm looking at Villa being in the top four still being in the Conference League and therefore wondering if Unai Emery might see this as an opportunity for rotation and that could play into Chelsea's favour? Yeah, yeah, I like where you're going, Matt. Yeah, uh, <laughs> let's think what other positives uh, we can think of. Um, no, that's about, that's about it. They hadn't won in three before <laughs> Saturday. Newcastle won there easily last week. They didn't score yeah. against Everton or in the first game against Chelsea. Come yeah, on, this is going to be easy. They got relegated in 2016. <laughs> yeah, uh, I saw Pato score there. Unai Emery choked in the Europa League final against Chelsea. Yeah, so anyway, I'm looking forward to um, coming back from another away defeat. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm on the away day. It feels like my, my season's been all about the away from home nightmare. I I Although I did see Luton, I did see the Luton win, the really convincing hanging on against Ross Barkley and co on, on uh, December the 30th. But I, at least I have seen them win away from home once. I think it's once this season. But um, I tell you, I, I, I was also at Fulham. So, um, yeah, was there another one? Kind of thing. Anyway, reason to be positive. Look, anything, you know, it's the cup. Chelsea are a cup side. They, they can turn it on occasionally, very, very occasionally. And look, if we if we if we can put our optimistic heads on or hats on, if they win this game, what an, a huge morale boost it would be! Um, suddenly the the clouds will lift a little bit because of who they're playing against and how unexpected the victory would be. Plus, their their terrible away form at the moment, having lost six of the last seven. So the carrot is there. It's just. Whether this this lot this bunch can shake themselves out of their sort of um, rather lack of self belief at the moment, mm. it's a collective funk. Might therefore look the best way to go here to just sit in and try and not concede any silly goals and and hit them on the break, or is that not something this Chelsea team are capable of doing? I mean, trying not to concede any silly goals is <laughs> its a lovely thought. <laughs> and I'm sure that's what Poch says at the start of every game. Whether Please, that... please try not to concede any silly goals. <laughs> exactly. Whether that, whether that actually works. I mean, clearly not, as the Wolves game showed. I don't know. I think we've kind of seen from Pochettino that he, he's going to play a certain way and, and that's kind of it. And whether that works against Villa and Emery, we don't know. I think, as I said, it's kind of tricky to predict how strong Villa will go for this, whereas I think it's it's almost a guarantee that Chelsea will go as full strength. 
as they can be. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Villa had another day's rest from Chelsea as well. You know, that's another that's another blow for the Blues because um, they played on Saturday. The only saving grace, I think, Matt, is that all the signs are pointing towards a Villa win. So therefore, Chelsea will win on penalties. I think that's just the way life works. Okay, yeah, good. Get a, a shootout practice in before beating Liverpool on penalties in the League Cup final later in the month. I think we're all going to be feeling much better on Thursday's pod. Uh, that's enough misery from the men, though. Let's talk about the women's team next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kirby, Fisher. This is Cuthbert! Brilliant goal from Chelsea! Well, thank the Lord for Chelsea women. Seriously, they're keeping the blue flag flying high on their own just now. Uh, Emma's exemplars eviscerated Everton on Sunday night, 3-0 at Kings Meadow. Perhaps, though, the more significant result was at Meadow Park, where West Ham stunned Arsenal winning 2-1. Man City beat Leicester means the Blues are three points ahead of them and now six ahead of Arsenal who've lost three games in the league. No one's ever won it after losing more than twice in a WSL season. Two Guru right and pens and an Aaron Cuthbert volley got the job done for the Blues on Sunday. And those two, Simon, kind of good illustrators of what I'm talking about with the women's team being the, the shining light of the football club at the moment because they are players who've got character, personality, quality and have shown that they can deal with adversity. This is something that we ought to be celebrating in this time of need for the club as a whole. Yeah, and, and also dealing with the the, the Jurgen Klopp-esque decision of of losing the talisman at the at the end of the season and Emma Hayes and you know I don't think that should be on obviously it can be used as a motivating thing to sort of say do it one more time for Emma but still it's it still like thrown a, a a huge early potential spanner in the works knowing that the coach is leaving at the end of the season the uncertainty what what's it mean for the future who's coming in what what kind of investment is there going to be on players and and so on and so forth. Is the is the success going to continue? It's like nothing happened. <laughs> Even Sam Kerr getting injured, you know they're, they're still they're still churning out the wins. Um, which is as you, as you say, Matt. It's I feel like you could almost just clip what we were saying this time last year, though. <laughs> when we when we were saying the same last year, going oh, thank goodness for the Chelsea women because um, they're showing. Exactly what the men don't have as as a, as a team, and as a spirit, and as a way of playing, and a a method, and a a coach at the top that sort of knows exactly what they what they want to happen. Um, but it's great, it's great, and I, and I hope it it long may it continue. Um, but Man City, I don't think can be underestimated. They're they're, they're clearly going to go toe to toe with Chelsea once again. Yeah, and those two uh, meeting in the league, which is going to be a massive game. Uh, Luke. 
What we also saw here, I thought, was the squad building that Chelsea have done with the women's team, which is phenomenal. I'm just looking at, at the um, the match sheet for, for Sunday's game. And we know that Sam Kerr's out and out for a long time. But Myra Ramirez uh, gets her first home start here. Coming off the bench, you had Chankovic, Kirby, Nuskin, Beaver Jones and Fischl. That is a pretty stacked squad and some fine replacements to be bringing on. And given that Chelsea is still in the FA Cup, the League Cup, the Champions League and going for the WSL, they really need that. They've, they've built the women's squad in a really clever way. Yeah, I mean, you know, the recruitment on the women's side is is absolutely fantastic, seemingly. You know, there's a lot of players, you know, in that Chelsea. It's a really good balance, I think, in the Chelsea women's squad of players that have been there for a long time, you know, know the club, understand the club, have built up a real rapport with the fans, players that have been there for a few years um, and have basically only enjoyed success under Emma Hayes in, in the past like three or four seasons. And then a couple of, of newer players who have been there, you know, since the start of this season or last, who, who are still maybe finding their feet, but... I think are being guided by some of the more experienced heads. So it's it's quite the contrast to the men's team where no one knows what's going on really and, and everyone seems quite new. But yeah, it, it's a fantastic squad and it'll I'm sure it will stand Chelsea in, in good stead in the back half of the season. Even the unused subs, Matt, from that game, you know, someone like Sophie Ingle, Buchanan, you know, not un, you know, not getting on the pitch. It's 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 without doubt, I think, the strongest squad in, in England. Yeah, and they're going to need it because they are going on all fronts. On Wednesday, they've got the Conti Cup quarterfinal at home to Sunderland. Then on Sunday, it's the FA Cup fifth round against Crystal Palace. So two games you'd expect Chelsea to win there. And then the big one in the WSL, Friday night, 16th of Feb, at home to Manchester City. Uh, before that, on Tuesday of this week, the draw for the Champions League quarterfinals takes place. Chelsea are seeded, which means that they will play their second leg at home. It also means that they will be drawn against one of Benfica, Ajax, Bran or Hecken, who they were in the group with. Uh, elsewhere in Chelsea news, busy weekend for the academy sides. On Friday night, the under-21s rounded off their Premier League Cup group stage campaign with an entertaining 3 all draw against Leeds. They were already confirmed as through to the last 16, but the draw here saw them secure top spot in the group. Zane Silcott, Jubri and a Jimmy Morgan brace did the damage for Chelsea. And no such luck for the under-18s. They've beaten 2-1 by Leicester at Cobham in the quarter-final of the under-18 Premier League Cup. Chelsea took the lead through Reese Russell-Denny, but Leicester scored twice in as many minutes just after the hour. And then Danelle McNeely was sent off for supposedly spitting at an opponent, although that looked a pretty harsh decision uh, that kibosh Chelsea's hopes are getting something from the game, unfortunately. Right, that's just about going to do it for today's show. Follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at SOCobbonPod. Leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Go to theathletic.com slash ChelseaPod to sign up and become a subscriber. Simon, if people do that, what can they read from you, please? Well, the latest thing I, I wrote was a January transfer window review. Of course, Chelsea were absolutely, well, pretty quiet, weren't they? Was, was it, wasn't it quite refreshing? Part of me was quite refreshed. Um, certainly in contrast to the year before, where you had like five players signed for an awful lot of money. And uh, yeah, some of them we've talked about in this show. Um, not in very glowing terms, but um but yeah, I, I look into what did and didn't really happen and what they may be sort of thinking of going forward. Of course, not really saying anything new in terms of 
they'll want to sign a striker, but um, they're going to be very busy in the sales front in the future. So, um, but I think overall, it, it just shows how, and Chelsea is certainly not the only club um, that this applies to, that they're, they're clearly looking at profit and sustainability rules and uh, starting to watch that that wallet, which I think is uh, probably a good thing. Um, I will be at Villa Park, as we've already sort of mentioned. So um, another upbeat piece for me. I can't wait for the voice note. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Just just click what I've said in this, Luce, and, you know, with some crowd noise in the background. <laughs> and hi-ho, silver lining. Luke, your influence in the game is ever-growing. Everybody says X, formerly known as Twitter. Nizar Kinsella has just tweeted, Maurizio Pochettino is considering a switch to a three-man defence to look for more solidity at Chelsea. Um, so tell people what article on The Athletic they should be reading and, and they'll go and do it. Amazing. <laughs> well, we, we were just talking about her, um, but there's um, a nice read on, on Myra Ramirez up on the Chelsea feed and the sort of women's football feed. Uh, it's Charlotte Harper who covers women's football and Felipe Cardenas, who is one of our US guys, but he's of Colombian descent. Uh, he's from Colombia. Uh, and they're kind of going through talking about her and what they expect her to bring to the Chelsea team. Give it a read, athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up, as I say, if you aren't currently a subscriber. We shall be back in your ears on Thursday, just hours after the dust has settled on Chelsea, booking their place in the fifth round of the Football Association's Challenge Cup. We'll have lots more to look forward to and reflect on as well. So join us for that if you can. Until then, thanks to Luke, to Simon, to Liam, to Lucy and to you. Bye for now. The Athletic.